Welcome to TicTastic, the podcast that explores the cutting-edge world of technology and its impact on society. We live in an age of rapid technological advancements, where innovation is driving everything from the way we work to the way we communicate, travel, and even think. With each passing day, new breakthroughs and developments are revolutionizing the world around us, presenting exciting opportunities as well as complex challenges. In this podcast, we'll delve into the latest trends and topics in the tech industry, examining how emerging technologies are shaping the future of society. From artificial intelligence and robotics to the Internet of Things and quantum computing, we'll explore the big ideas and key players driving these transformations. Along the way, we'll hear from experts, thought leaders, and innovators in the field as we seek to understand the implications of these advancements for our lives, our communities, and our planet. Join us on this journey of discovery and exploration as we navigate the fascinating and ever-evolving world of technology. This is TechTastic. And I'm your host, Christian Hammer. In the news in the last 24 hours, there have been quite a few things that occurred. There's a couple product launches which are interesting, but the, the item that struck me in particular was one that's been a repeating topic that seems to be on slow burn in the background. And that is the no use policy of several companies in regards to generative AI solutions. They've, they've got valid concerns around how you know, the use of the tool is being used to train the model going forward and how there can be leakage of intellectual property or release of sensitive information that's critical for business, things that you don't want competitors to get, that type of thing. Totally valid concern. Uh, it was Samsung, I believe, was the most recent announcement on that front. and. I, th I think that we're going to see a growing backlash in some companies and uh, from large governments and agencies on this front. And it's why the topic of ethics and consent in AI are so forefront for a lot of people. And uh, clearly, it's something that I care a lot about with Vala AI. That's what we're focusing on. So it was interesting to see it come up in the news again. I know that. Uh, I have a little bit of inside information on other companies, and I, I know that there have been internal memos to several very large Fortune 100 companies that are making the exact same statements. Like they don't want you using it, you shouldn't use it. It's actually considered a uh, breach of your employment contract, that type of thing, which is pretty strong. So it's uh, going to be interesting to follow those developments and see what they how they evolve over time. The federal government of the United States actually just met, um, in this case, with President uh, Joe Biden and, and uh, the vice president and his executive staff met with people from OpenAI and several other AI-related uh, technology companies to talk through American policy on the subject too. So clearly there's a growing amount of concern on this front. And there's a, there's a lot to unpack on it. I, I'm not going to get into it in this episode. There's just a lot of uh, yeah. there's just a lot to discuss there. There's lots of concerns, uh, but it, but it is interesting to watch policymakers, uh, whether that's in the form of corporate policy or in the form of uh, you know our federal government or even state and local governments, starting to really pay attention to this. And I, I don't know where I land on it. I, I definitely believe that there's a consent problem. There's ethic concerns that you, ethical concerns that you have to look at. Policies do need to be made, but I, I also worry about being too proactive on that front and putting 
the United States in particular or any geographic region that's starting to put policies in place where your company um, at a competitive disadvantage to the rest of the world and to your you know your business competitors so it's it's a tough one. It's a balancing act always when these new technologies come out. There are definite valid concerns. These things do need to be talked about. They do need to be considered. They do need uh, probably further investment and uh, technology solutions or policy decisions made that uh, affect how we use it and how data is collected, etc. And we're at the very beginning of people really starting to pay attention to it. So we'll see how that plays out. And it's something I'm going to be on top of. And I will keep you up to breast as I find out. The topic I really wanted to talk through, though, is, I don't know why today it particularly struck me, but uh, there have been a great many layoffs in production force, you know, however that is politely wrapped up in uh, PR speak, but there have been a lot of people that have lost their jobs in the technology industry in the last, you know, six months or less, in the very recent past. and. You know, I've been through a few of those cycles myself. Uh, I can only remember once where I was uh, laid off, but I've definitely been involved with companies that failed. And uh, we closed our doors and everybody lost their job. Um, heck, I'm, I just very recently had to go through that cycle with uh, TradeLens as we shut the doors on that operation and, you know, rolled it into the parent companies and, and you know, people moved on. In that particular case, we found roles for almost everybody involved, so it wasn't as painful, but and most of the time, it's it's a very difficult time for everybody involved. Nobody gets off feeling good about it. The part that I, I just want to express, because I, I know for myself the first time that I went through it, I, I personally felt like it was my fault. I, I didn't know what I did wrong. I, you know, we're, we're led to believe that uh, we're in a merit-based society and that good things happen to people that work hard and bad things happen to people that don't put in enough effort and it's simply not true in this case like in the case of a layoff no matter uh, where you're at uh, you it's not your fault you know you had nothing to do with your job being eliminated and you can put it on the executive leadership team and say it's their fault too but I, I guarantee you they didn't want to do it either there was a situation a change the plans didn't you know quite work out the economy changed, whatever it is. And they had to make a hard call and just understand that like, if you were impacted by it first and foremost, uh, it's not your fault. You could not have affected that outcome. And the second, at least for me, um, I, I'm a big believer in trying to find a way forward to always fight for a path. And like, I don't like looking back other than to learn from it. You know, anybody who doesn't learn from their past is just gonna repeat the same mistakes. But learn, adapt, and move on. Forward focused, just keep you know, keep in the direction that uh, makes your life full, that gives you joy and fulfillment. And in these moments of you know your role being eliminated losing your job and and worrying about your livelihood and all that it's terrible it's terrifying it can be a, a major uh stressor in your life it can do serious damage to your future and your family there's no there's no way to put a positive spin on that the only thing that you can do is try to find a way forward and i would tell you that for the first time in a very long time uh it has never been easier 
to build something yourself. You don't have to go find a job at another company. The opportunity to build your own you know, solution to start your own company has never been easier than it is right now. With the proliferation of these large language models like ChatGPT uh, or, and the tools built on it like ChatGPT and generative design and all that, uh, the, the low code, no code, platforms that are out there, the number of APIs that are open and integration points for different software packages. You don't even actually have to know how to code. I, I do think it's extremely helpful to know how to code so that at least you can troubleshoot when ChatGPT or you know whatever tool you're using uh, tells you to do something that doesn't work. It's helpful if you can troubleshoot it um, and if you can look at it immediately and go, well, that just doesn't make sense because you understand at least the basics of coding. Uh, that's, a, that's a pretty big advantage in that space, but I, I can imagine that in your previous role you ran into particular problems that were something that you went, ah, oh, man, if I just had a tool that did this. Well, for the first time in, in uh, at least my history, in my, in my career of 30 years, it's very, very approachable for you to do that. It, it takes learning. It takes like diving deep and learning to use things that maybe make you feel uncomfortable. But learning is what the modern technology landscape is all about. We're constantly having to adapt and overcome. There are so many innovations happening at such a rapid pace that if you're not a lifelong learner, if you're not constantly looking at what's coming next, trying to understand the new technologies and the new processes, procedures, whatever it is, like there's always a change coming. I mean, the only constant is change. It's a well-worn quote. So I would suggest getting comfortable with that, understanding that if you feel like you're in your comfort zone, if you feel really comfortable in what you're doing, there's a danger in that. I, I, I hate that that's true, but it, but it's reality. And that the moment that you feel comfortable, that's the highest likely time for something to fundamentally change and rock you out of your comfort zone. On the flip side though, uh, there's just some, some huge advantages to this particular disruption cycle. Not just is it making everything more approachable if you've got a good idea, you're a logical person and you can troubleshoot, and work your way through you know, reducing it to its minimum level of complexity so that you can stitch something together. There are tools that'll make that possible that you can build the product that you know, you, maybe you dreamed of in the past and wish that you could pull a software team, you know, a team of software developers together to solve. Now you can do it without that team or with just one or two other people. It's very, very doable. But the other thing about that is everybody today is a novice. There are no experts in this field. Well, that's not true. There are some experts. There are some people that have put, you know, the last 15 to 20 years of their career into this space. But compared to the need that's very apparent today, there aren't nearly enough. There's a tiny fraction of the people with the skills and the experience necessary out there. So we're all novices today. We're all starting from a relative point of zero. So getting involved now and going deep and learning and starting to apply that is a huge opportunity. It's the opportunity to become an expert on something that is the next transformative wave. I do believe that this particular cycle of innovation has the potential to be the largest one, at least for the, the ability to create individual wealth for people in the last hundred years, if not longer. 
there's been very few times that I can think of where there was more opportunity for the every man for anybody for every man being like any person um, sorry to use that term but anybody can do it it just takes being curious and putting the time in and learning and like I, I think I said it earlier in the podcast already the the best motivator for that is hunger <laughs> I, I it's a terrible thing that our society is based on you know the risk of starving if you can't you know deliver something of value to people but at the same time it's a great motivator so take it be motivated get out there get involved uh, even if it's just contributing to open source projects to prove hey I can do this um, but even better yet, if you can build something that solves a real problem. I was talking to an individual the other day that that had built a little working, I, I think it would go further than saying it was a prototype, but he built it by himself and it solved a real problem. And, and he was he was worried that he hadn't built a robust enough thing that wasn't really ready to take to market. And, and I pointed out to him that you can't let that, that perfection get in the way of uh, the opportunity that you've created for yourself. You've got something here that is a lot better than the pain that you're solving for. The, the people that are feeling that pain today, you've solved something for them. You've made it better. You haven't made it perfect, but you've made it better. And that is a marketable thing. That is something that people will pay for. And so if you build, doesn't matter how small the tool is, if you can build it by yourself, you don't have to pay a hundred people or a thousand people to take it to market. If you can build it yourself and take it and find a few people that are, you know, experience real, real pain with it and companies that, uh, you know, see a value in it, you can make a dang good living by yourself forming just a very small company. There, there's tons of opportunity out there. And I, I really do believe that this particular technology cycle, this disruption moment, is one of the greatest opportunities for that. And personally, I love small teams. I love like the idea, the challenge of having a handful of people tackling difficult things. And you're empowered now to do that. So for me, it's exciting and I hope it is for you too. And if you do decide that you're gonna go out and be an entrepreneur and build something new, or you're gonna get involved, or you wanna get involved in like, hell, if you wanna come work with me at Vala and help us solve the consent and uh, ethical AI issues, let me know. If you've got uh, topics you think I should cover on this, if you've got people I should talk to on the podcast, please let me know. And I invite you to subscribe, uh, follow along with the podcast, get involved that way, just be involved in the conversation. There are, uh, even on LinkedIn, you can uh, post you know, comments on the episode and give your thoughts. I, and if you've got a, if you disagree with me fundamentally, you want to argue with me about it, uh, I want to hear that too. Dissenting opinions are incredibly valuable because I, I don't want to, you know, be stuck in a bubble of my own thoughts and have people tell me that uh, everything I say is absolutely right. That's not helpful. I'm not learning from that. So, if you dissent with what I'm saying, let me know. If you agree with what I'm saying, love to hear that too. But what's important to me is uh, I want to hear your opinions. I want to know what you what you see because. It's through those conversations and interactions that uh, we all learn and we can form a consensus on the right way forward. So with that, I'll leave you. And uh, again, I hope you subscribe to the podcast and you listen along and uh, get involved.